<laughs> I do thank the Lord for the opportunity to, to preach. And uh, thank you for saying let's preach because I was busting a gut. <laughs> but if you have your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter 4. I just want to take a moment and thank all those in our church that um, work and labor, those that made the banquet possible this weekend. And I, I enjoyed our, we enjoyed ourselves, me and Miss Sarah, and we had a wonderful time. And, and um, God is uh, doing some wonderful things in our church. And I love it when we have other men come in and talk about what a great church we have because I think we take it for granted sometimes and we forget. Brother Barry talked to men this morning on, on um, how to help our pastor. And, uh, and sometimes I think we take our pastor for granted. I think we take our patch club for granted and our youth ministries. And, and we just need that reminder sometimes from somebody on the outside. Uh, if you'll stand with me, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 11. The Bible says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. God, thank you for all you're doing for us. I do pray that you would help us tonight. And God, these folks that came out, would you speak to their heart today? God, I pray you would work through me, dear Jesus, for your glory and for your honor. And then God, I pray you would keep us all safe going home. Lord, we love you and thank you. Amen. Amen. um, You can be seated. My personal desire and I've said this before, is to be above mediocrity. I want to have all that God desires to give. And I don't know that our want of what God wants to give will ever really balance out because I think God wants to do so much more for us than we could ever imagine. I want my, my life, I want to live above the average. I want to thrive for the glory of God. I want to have a thriving marriage. I desire a thriving ministry. I desire my service to God to be thriving. I want my personal relationship with God to be a thriving. Not built on some Bible calendar, some uh, agenda of something else, but just a thriving relationship with God Almighty. So I want to preach tonight on this thought, thriving or surviving. Thriving or surviving. I believe God, through Paul's writing here, has given us the key to a thriving life. And I believe with these applied that every, no, no matter what walk of life we're in, we can thrive for the glory of God. We can, we can actually enjoy a public job, the nine-to-five grind. I believe we can enjoy every relationship God has put us in and given us if we learn to thrive. So we must first understand the difference. The word survive has this idea, continue to live or exist, especially in spite of danger or hardship. This is when we operate an arm of the flesh. This is when the excitement of serving God has died. This is when we just carry on so we're not labeled as a quitter. We've been there before. You say, well, mom and dad taught me to have character and not to quit. And so we just do the, the mechanics of it to stay so we're not a quitter. This is this thing of surviving. This is the people when you ask, how are you today? Well, I'm above ground. Well, I'm, we're surviving, we're breathing at church. The word thrive has this meaning to prosper or flourish, to grow, to advance, to increase or advance in anything valuable. This is when we see the good hand of God. 
This thing of thriving is when we're excited, even when it's on purpose, because we really know that even in the down times, God is still in control. This is when we see new things happening. This is when people are being saved. This is when people are being baptized. This is when we enjoy reading the Word of God, just to know God more, not to check a calendar. This is when prayer time is more than us summoning God for the things we want, but it is developing a relationship with God Almighty. Thriving is living while surviving is figuring out how to live. Thriving is living while surviving is figuring out how to live. So I believe verse 13 gives us the formula to thrive for the glory of God. First of all, I see a personal pronoun. I. I. It is a personal word. Sometimes that's viewed as a very selfish word. But I believe here in this verse, it comes down to this. It is ultimately the only person that you and I have control of is I. I don't have control of anybody else. I don't have control. I have control of I. I. How many times has somebody signed you up by saying, yeah, we'll be glad to do that for you. And you're going, you got a mouse in your pocket? (laughs) Nobody ever says I when they're referring to somebody else to do something. I comes down to one person, one person only, and that's I. And so I see a personal pronoun. And there's some things about this word that we should know. It's self-proclaimed. You don't use it to refer to other people. I must be proclaimed by I. It is self-proclaimed. It is self-sufficient. It can stand by itself. It's not hinged or dependent upon anything or anyone else. I. I. You know, and that's how our life today must be. We must move on for the glory of God regardless of anybody else. It's not we can, it's I. I. Our relationship with God, it has to be that, it has to be personal. We have a tendency to take many things personal, but not to get personal. We take a lot of things personal when somebody hurts our feelings or gets sideways, but we rarely get real personal saying, God, where am I at with you? What we do often is determined by what somebody else does. We react to somebody else's doings. And we react and we act upon what they do or don't do. This is the beginning of saying it doesn't matter what everybody else does, but I. It says it's not about them, us, we, they, but I. It says, God, it starts with me. God, here I am. I doesn't have eyes on everyone around them, but on I and God. And we'll get to God here in just a few moments. And this is not an eye of pride or self-righteousness. This is not an eye that said, boy, didn't I do good? This is an eye of humility. This is an eye that says... I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. The same man that wrote the I we're talking about tonight is the same man that wrote that I. That said, I am crucified with Christ. I can do all things through God. It's the same man. The same I. It is an I of self-sacrifice. It is an I of saying, I of Christ. It's only by Christ that we have what we have. And then number two, I see a proper proclamation. Can. I can. Can has the meaning to be possible. To be possible. It is a B verb. It gives the idea that there, it is possible for something to be done. It, notice it doesn't say, I will or I have to. It says, I can. I can. It gives this idea of a submissive heart of saying, hey, I can, I'm able, I'm willing. It gives an idea of a servant's heart. It shows that I'm able, I'm willing. 
if needed. And we know the proper vocabulary when we say, hey, preacher, I can do that for you. But when it's given to somebody else or somebody else gets this position or that position, all of a sudden I can what it really should have been. and said, preacher, I have to do that. I should be the one doing that. Or else. We don't have a heart that says I can. We have the words that say it, but our heart is saying, I better get it or I'm going to be upset. This word of can, it, the real test comes when we say I can, but we don't get to. See, a thriving life is not going to get caught up on what somebody didn't allow us to do. It's not going to get caught up on what we wanted to do and didn't get to. It's going to be on, God, I can. Whenever I can, I will. It is when we say, I was only saying I'm able to if you need me. But so many times our I can is saying, I can do it better than everybody else. Our I can is not one of a submissive servant's heart. Rarely does it come with a servant's heart. It gives the idea of wanting to serve when and where needed. I can. I can. It doesn't come with any preconceived place of service. It comes saying, whatever you need, wherever you need me, I can. I wonder how our life would be different if we came to God with this. God, I can. And God, I'm not sure what the rest is, but you know what I'm capable and where you want to use me. I submit a servant's heart to you, Lord. What if we approach God in that manner? I can. I don't know the rest, dear Jesus, but I'll let you fill it in. I'll let you fill it in, God. And we gave Him full control. Number three, I see a participation. The word do. I can do. That word has the meaning to perform, to execute, to carry into effect, to exert labor or power for bringing anything to the state desired or to completion. This is a verb. It speaks of action. It speaks of overcoming or going forward. It doesn't mean spectating. Somebody that's doing is not sitting. Somebody that's doing is not watching. Somebody that's doing is busy working for the glory of God. I can do. It, it, it is not this, um, not, it's serving, not watching. I can do gives a sense of accomplishment. It says, I want to accomplish something for the glory of God. Not the glory for me, but for the glory of God. It gives an idea of a, it gives a product. When we do, there will be a product. And the problem is, we say, oh, I want to, I want to thrive in life. I want to do more for the glory of God. But we never do. We never act. We never move. We never, we want to watch and we want to tell everybody else how it needs to be done. We want to give all the great ideas, but we never want to step up and say, I can. I can do. It gives an idea of action. It gives an idea of serving. We would love better if we serve more. You know, you want, you say, well, I want my love for God to grow. Serve. Serve. I want my love for my wife to grow. Serve. I want my love for my pastor to grow. Serve. I want my love for the ministry of Salt Rock Baptist Church to grow. Serve. If we will serve and do for the glory of God, our life will change and our love for Jesus will grow if we'll serve. And we will see a product. Our love for Christ is validated by our service to Christ. Not our service of self or others. And I would dare say many who are miserable in serving Jesus is because they're trying to serve their self with the appearance of serving Jesus. 
Many of us, our, our lives are dependent on what we do and how we feel about ourselves. We want to feel good. So many of us are busy, busy, busy because it makes us feel better. We feel like we're doing more for the glory of God. And everybody around us says, oh man, they, every once in a while somebody will mention we appreciate those that clean the church and we appreciate those that do the music and we appreciate those that run the buses. And every so often we get applauded and it makes us feel good for a little while. And perhaps we do that to keep us busy so we don't have to deal with some things hidden in our heart. Things like pain and hurt and bitterness. Things like unforgiveness. And we keep our mind busy. We keep our lives busy so we never have to get to the root of the problem. And so we never have to face the fact of saying, I really can't serve until I address my unforgiveness and my bitterness. Perhaps some say they want the pride and they say, I did that. Well, that made me proud. I did that. And if we aren't very careful, we become so consumed with doing and order, instruction, all these things that we forget Jesus. We forget Jesus. Now I want to remind you, we ought to be serving Jesus. We ought to be about the Father's business. But on the flip side, we can't consume ourselves with the busyness of serving Jesus that we forget the Savior. We can't consume ourselves with doing, doing, doing and never back up and say, who am I? realize that before we got to the verb of do, we started with I can. Can being a be verb. I being a personal pronoun. It comes down just as important as what we're doing for the glory of God, if not more important, is who we are with Jesus. And I wonder how many tonight that Jesus really does know us. I'm talking about beyond being saved, but I mean really knows who we are. We can have all the strategy in the world, but with no Savior, it's in vain. Number four, I see a perfect prerequisite. The word all. All has this idea, the whole quantity. All. If you want to know what all means, you can ask your child. Don't know what it is. I wanted all of it. I want all of it. All is the complete, whole package. This word is very vital to this verse. It sets us up to be complete. This is us being given the opportunity to do more than we ever imagined. All. All. Three letters. But yet, this word establishes the whole truth of this verse. Without this word, this verse would be totally different. It sheds a whole new meaning on a living, a thriving life. It leads us into another, the next subject with a completely different outlook. This thing of all... The same verse that says, without me you can do nothing. This is the same Word of God that says, you can do all things with me. Amen. You can do all things through Christ. Without Christ we'll do nothing, but with Christ we can do it all. Amen. The same Word of God, the same principle is that we must have Jesus in our life. We must. So we move into this word all moves us to the next subject, and that's number five, the potential possibilities, things. Have you ever tried to look up the definition of thing? Thing. Couldn't you really define it? Here's what Webster said, an event or action, that which happens or falls out, or that which is done, told or proposed. Here's what the thing about with things is this here. It's open-ended. The word things leaves it open-ended. It's not descriptive. It doesn't lock anything in. It's just a thing. It's a generic description. It's not defined. It's generic. Here's a few ideas. It leaves it open-ended for what God wants to do through us. 
If we went to God and said, God, whatever things you choose to do, boy, that opens it up, doesn't it? But we go to God with our agenda and say, okay, God, here's your options. Here's what I want to do with my life. I believe our next generation is coming up with a, fi- with a list of saying, God, here it is. You pick them, and I'll be glad to do your will. And we've got a preconceived will that we call the will of God when in essence it's our will. Instead of a full surrender saying, God, whatever things. What are you going to major in? Things. What are you going to study for Jesus? Things. Things. You must understand sometimes things will be full. Sometimes things will be hungry. If you look in verse 12 there, he said, I have learned and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. There are going to be times that in our service for God, whatever things God puts us in, we're going to be full one day and excited, but there's going to be sometimes we're going to be hungry and want more. But Paul said, I'm instructed how to do both. Paul said, I'm learning to do both. How to be hungry, how to be full. Our job is to learn to be faithful when we're not as full as we would like to be and we hunger for more. Things allow anything to happen. Things create flexibility. Things remove our preconceived idea of what, where, and when. Things truly opens up the potential for God to grand and glorious things in our life. Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. God didn't define that, did He? Great preaching? No. Things which thou knowest not. That thou knowest not. I, I have ideas of what I'd love to see God do. But that word things, and I have no idea what it is, I can't imagine what God has in store. And yet we run around and we won't surrender to things because we're afraid of the unknown. Things bring an unknown. Things do not create a comfort zone. Thriving will start with things. God, wherever, whenever, however, whoever, whatever. Things. It is a surrender to God. Number six, a prepared passage. The word through. I can do all things through. Through means this, from end to end, from side to side, from one surface or limit to the opposite. This tells us that there is a start and a finish with God. That we can do what God has called us to do. That what God has put in our heart of service, we don't have to quit halfway through. We don't have to give up halfway through and we don't have to burn out and rust out and give out. We can go through to the end. Gives the idea from one surface to the next, from side to side. It encompasses the whole. It is the fact that we don't have to feel forsaken. That God has made it possible for us to finish. And here's how we're able to finish. Here's how we're able to have a thriving life. A providential partner. Christ. Christ. I can do all things through Christ. We understand that God gives us the passage... They're able to go through, but it's only through Christ. That's why it says I can do all things through Christ. If it wasn't for Jesus, you and I would have no hope. We have the greatest opportunity to have the greatest partner in our life and all the world, and we neglect Him the most. The buddy system is a procedure in which two people, the buddies, operate together as a single unit so that they are able to monitor and help each other out. 
Christ doesn't need my buddy system help, but I sure need His. And I'll give anything to have Him as my buddy so we can have the buddy system where He's looking out for my well-being. I sure like that idea. I like the idea of Jesus being my partner, a providential partner. I like the idea the buddy system gives security and safety and strength. Even greater than the buddy system is our Savior. Christ gives security that we're taken care of. Christ brings us safety. I really believe it would unnerve every one of us tonight if we knew all the times that God intervened to keep us safe. I think it would unnerve us if we knew every time God kept us safe. Absolutely unnervous. And number eight, provided power, which strengtheneth. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth. It takes life and power to thrive, and Christ is the provider of the power. The real valuable word here, though, is not strengthen. Strengtheneth is not the key word in which strengtheneth. The valuable word is which. Which relates to another word or thing, usually to some word that precedes it in the sentence. That little word, which, connects the power that we so need to the source of the power. I can do all things, strengtheneth. No, 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 no. I can do all things through Christ, which. That word which, you back up to the preceding word, is Christ. Our strength comes from Jesus Christ. This is us when we say we remove our arm of the flesh and we submit to the will and way of God. And we need to get there. Where we say, God, whatever, I know you'll give me the strength. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And then we close with a personal pronoun. We come back, the word me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Again, it's not of self centeredness, self righteousness, or self glory, it is a word of humble humility that in the presence and power of God, we may be used for His glory. It does not mean taking everything personal and worried about our feelings. It's not personal. It's Jesus. At a time here in the ministries of Salt Rock Baptist Church that I got out of place and I was getting bothered with things. Things would discourage me. They would bother me. And, and I, oh, I, I was nice. Preacher, I'm just a little, little bothered about this. Preacher, I'm not real sure about this. And all oh, the day when I got past that. Not saying we won't ever visit that again, but I'm glad the day that Jesus helped me through that. So I can speak from personal experience that if you are constantly saying, I'm just a little bothered about that, check up. Check up. Because we're moving off our focus between our relationship with us and Jesus. It's not hinged on anybody else. That day, there, and I can remember walking down this side of the church and just telling God, Lord, it's not personal. I was talking to God and I made this statement. It's not personal. And I said this. I said, the only thing personal in my life is my relationship with Jesus. At that moment, I decided it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing, whether I like it or I dislike it or I agree with it or I disagree with it. Jesus, how's my relationship with you? When my relationship was strained with Jesus, my relationship this way was a struggle. 
But when this one dries, all this kind of just works itself out. There's something about Jesus and a personal one-on-one relationship with Him. If we would be as concerned with our personal feelings of Jesus and who He is and how we're pleasing Him as we were when someone hurt our feelings, we would do wonders in thriving for Christ. Think about the energy we could spend thriving in work and service to God if we exerted the same energy into that as we do our personal hurt feelings. We're all people. We're going to hurt one another at some point or another. But if we'll fix this one first, these will work with the glory of God. Do you have a relationship with Jesus that is thriving? Or do you feel as if you are surviving? So I ask you one question in closing. Where can we adjust our focus to have a thriving, thriving relationship with Jesus?